This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 165 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a glorious folk tale about a young prince uh, trying to heal his father's sore foot by drawing water from the well at the end of the world. But before we get down to that, a big welcome to any new and indeed any returning listeners. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to follow me on Instagram, if you have not done so already, at FiresideBard, email me at the Fireside Bard for any business or personal queries. And if you really want to support uh, this podcast, you can do so in a number of ways. You can recommend the podcast to a friend. You can share it on your Instagram story. You can buy my book, Garden Sea, my collection of poetry, available from in, from headstuff.org in paperback and in physical form or in uh, ebook form from Amazon all the links are in the description below and if you really want to support the podcast in a direct way you can do both so by going to headstuffpodcast.com and joining Headstuff Plus, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to not just the bonus material for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts, the ever-growing podcasts of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The story for this week, it's, uh, as I said in last week's episode, we had taken a couple of weeks off, and I'm determined now to be recording two at a time, especially while I'm on tour. I'm still in Perth, in Western Australia, We've had two shows here uh, in the beautiful, beautiful Regal Theatre here in the city uh, before we take off around the rest of Western Australia. We're going to be in Kalgoorlie, Margaret River, Mandurah, um, whereas Albany, Bunbury, all over the state. Uh, we have just completed our leg of South Australia, which after two years and multiple, multiple postponements and cancellations, it's great to have even a full leg of it done. Uh, this will be, I think, our 14th or 13th, 14th show this evening and it's great to be back in the swing of it and the rhythm of it and to be back in front of packed houses and big audiences it's it's such a wonderful thing after the couple of years that we've all had uh, to be in this like mutually grateful position where like the audiences are so grateful to be to be asked live entertainment again and the performers on stage are also as grateful to be getting the chance to do it it's it's a rare thing when that happens both in both those ways and it's a really lovely lovely thing to be a part of and I'm part of a really wonderful cast and we're having a great time um so but I am very determined now, especially after having a couple of weeks off from my neck injury, 
and from having my iPad stolen and kind of everything gone and kind of having to start again um, to get back into the rhythm by recording by recording two episodes every time I sit down to record to try and get as ahead of myself as possible for the times for the demanding tour schedule that we have that I won't have opportunities to record that I'm always ahead of myself something I should have been I should have been prepared enough for the the loss of the iPad in the first place but uh, such as it is I was not and uh, I have learned a very very valuable lesson there the hard way unfortunately uh, but back up all your files folks back up all your files but the story for this week is uh, one I found from beside the fire so we continue our look at nautical and aquatic tales to tie in with our looks at Grainne Whale in the the Legends episodes um, so we've had a story about a river, we've had a story about the sea, we've had a story of the lost cities beneath the sea, but now we move into the territory of wells. I also found this from the wonderful Beside the Fire. It's a book of Irish folklore I've been dying to read for a long time. I'd read stories from it in other collections. It's by Douglas Hyde, Ireland's first president and the the president of the Gaelic League, Huge, incredible influence on Irish culture uh, and particularly on Irish folklore and mythology. And it was his book that we found, uh, the Alpluchra story that we did a couple of weeks ago. Seems like a long time ago now. Um, and this was another one I found that I really loved the name of um, and then read it. And it was a mammoth photo with a lot of details. And I have streamlined it to a degree, but I liked so many of the details in it and... I always say when I adapt a folktale and I feel like it's being adapted well is when I can only read the story like once or twice and then just go off on my own and tell my own version of it. This was definitely one such of those tales. Hope you enjoy it. We'll chat more afterwards. This is The Well at the End of the World on Fireside. The Well at the End of the World. Once there was a king of Connacht in the west of Ireland who had a very sore foot. While that may not seem like too much of an ailment, this sore foot endured and worsened for twenty years until after the king had three sons and each of them had grown. Finally, the king called for his wisest and oldest of wise old men and said to him, Twenty years I have been paying you and you've never been able to help me with this foot. You've never asked me to help you with your foot, said the old man. I know the very place. You must get some water from the well of Dera Undown, the well at the end of the world. The king felt foolish. That's why he was the king and not the wise old man. The well at the end of the world was, naturally enough, at the end of the world. And no one had ever been to the end of the world. And the king was old, and was needed in Connacht. So he summoned his three sons, Art, Njart, and Kjart. Art means champion, Njart means strength, and Kjart means right, as in Kjarta, for rights, as in C-E-A-R-T-A. The king said to his sons, Whoever can retrieve water from the well at the end of the world and cure my foot will be the sole inheritor of the kingdom. So the three princes set out on their fabled quest. They came to a crossroads, as travellers frequently do. Art and Njart both decided that the quest was futile and pointless, 
so they performed the traditional Irish ritual of going to the pub. Gart was not so easily deterred, and he proceeded into the woods. In the forest, Kjart grew tired and came upon a questionable wooden cabin. He knocked on the door and an old hag answered. Welcome, son of the King of Connacht. How do you know me? said the King's son. Didn't I nurse you when you were born? Come in, come in, lad. The prince entered the cabin and was fed, bed and watered. When he awoke, he asked his host, Do you know where the well at the end of the world is? The hag replied, A hundred years I am alive, and I have never heard of the well at the end of the world. So Kjart continued on his way. He emerged from the forest and came to a waterfall. Nestled beneath the water was a stone cabin. Kjart knocked on the door. Welcome, son of the King of Connacht. How do you know me? My sister nursed you when you were just a baby. Have you heard of the well at the end of the world? Three hundred years I am alive and I never have. But I have another sister who is even older than me. She lives on the top of the hill across the valley. Gert hopped the rocks across the river beneath the waterfall crossed into the long grass of the valley and climbed the hill to the house at the top. He knocked on the door, and a similar but even older-looking woman answered. Do you know the well at the end of the world? Five hundred years old I am, and I never have. But I have a brother, who is over one thousand years old, and if anyone has heard of your well, it's him. He lives in a cave by the coastline over a hundred miles away. That will take me a long time on foot, said the son. Fear not, I will give you this nag that will get you there before nightfall. A tiny horse the size of a goat emerged from behind the house. I'll never fit on that tiny thing, said Kjart. Don't judge my nag. He's carried much heavier than you, farther and faster. So a saddle was put on the gopaline, and the king's son took off like a dried leaf in an updraft. Before he could steady his breath from the speed of the wind on his face, Kjart was at the edge of the sea, standing before a tall, dark opening to a sinister cave. The king's son dismounted as his trusty steed would go no further, and proceeded into the cave. Gart came to a house built into the cave and banged on the hard stone door. An ancient man, with a strong resemblance to his three sisters, answered. Gart took a deep breath and said, I am the son of the King of Connacht. I am in search of water to heal my father's foot. Please tell me you have heard of the well at the end of the world. Of course I have, but I have not been there myself. I am over a thousand years old, and it is far and treacherous. But crucially, it is also a two-man job. How are you with a bow and arrow? I have a steady hand under pressure, I can promise you that. Then perhaps you are the young pair of legs and strong back I have been waiting for. The old man invited Kjart inside, 
and they told stories by the fire late into the night. The next morning, the king's son was awoken by the old man. It's time. The two companions made their way out of the cave and to the coast of the sea. The old man then handed Tiart a bow and arrow and said, Take these and climb on my back. I will carry you across the sea to the island at the end of the world. But the first line of defence of the island is a great eagle that swoops down to kill any attempted intruders. You will have one chance to shoot down the eagle. If you make your target, we will make it to the island. If you miss, we will quite literally be dead in the water. The prince climbed on the old man's back and he began to wade into the deep water. Kjart thought the old man incredibly strong as the king's son was kept fully above water as the old man held him up and sailed through the surf at the same time. Soon Kjart saw a dark dot high in the sky, followed by a high and shrill cry as the dot grew closer and closer into review, revealing a ferocious eagle. Nervously but steadily, Kjart gripped the handle of the bow, pulled an arrow from the quiver and aimed, steadying himself on the old man's shoulders before taking a deep breath and letting the arrow fly. The eagle took an arrow in the chest and fumbled in the sky but kept on flying. The great bird then began to circle and turn again before diving to attack the travellers once more. Kjart watched the eagle and reloaded the bow and arrow. He waited until the eagle was so close that he could see the whites of her eyes and the blood on her talons before Kjart sank an arrow in the eagle's heart. Is she dead? asked the old man. She is now, said the king's son. Kjart and the old man finally arrived at the island at the end of the world. The old man said, This is as far as I can take you. You must go on from here alone. On the island is the castle of the queen of the end of the world. She sleeps only once every seven years, for an entire year and a day, and she is asleep at the moment. But she could awake any day now, and if she does, you will never be able to save your father. Go into the castle, find the well, and fill two bottles with the water from the well, one for your father and one for me. But I warn you, do not touch anything else. Anything else you touch will bring you terrible luck. Now go. Kjart left the old man, walked across the island and found the castle. There were two guards at the gate, fast asleep. Inside, Kjart walked up to the main hall and finally found the well at the end of the world. He took two bottles and filled them to the brim. But Kjart had travelled so far by this point, he couldn't help but look around. On the table, he found bread and water. He cut a slice of the bread and drank a glass of the water, and found them to be the freshest and crunchiest bread and the most refreshing water he had ever tasted. So Kjart pocketed them both. Kjart then made his way into the bedchambers, and there he found the sleeping queen at the end of the world. Around the queen were eleven handmaidens, also all fast asleep, and above the sleeping women was a broad sword beaming light from its blade. 
Kiart had never seen women so beautiful in all of his life. He kissed each of them on the cheek and took the sword and left. At the island's edge, the old man was still waiting. Do you have the water? I do, said Kiart. Did you take anything else? No, lied Kiart. Give me my bottle. Kiart handed the old man his portion of the water. As he immediately guzzled down the liquid, the old man was transformed into a handsome youth. Finally, the old man said, fighting back frustrated tears, the curse on my sisters and I is broken, and we are free. Thank you, Kiart. Now let me take you home to heal your father's foot. But Kiart asked the now young man to take him only as far as the tavern close to his home. There Kiart found still drinking his brothers, Art and Yart. Where have you been? the drunks asked their brother. I've been at the well at the end of the world, said Kiart. And did you get the water? asked Art. I did indeed. The wicked, jealous brothers immediately formulated a plan. They got Kiart drunk, robbed him of the water, as well as the bottle, bread and sword from the end of the world. They left Kiart on the bar stool and ran home to their father to claim the credit and the reward. The king was delighted when his two elder sons returned with the water and finally found relief from twenty years of pain as his foot was healed. But where is Kiart? the king asked. He is drunk at the end of a bar, said the brothers. Well, bring him home and we will put him to work as a servant for his lazy and disrespectful behaviour. We will be thankful Kiart will never inherit the kingdom. And so it went that poor Kiart was taken home and stripped of his rank of prince and put to work in the kitchens, and Art and Yart stood to inherit their father's kingdom. As they ate their endlessly replenishing bread and drank their everlasting water beneath their sword of light. But then, far away at the end of the world, the queen awoke. The queen was infuriated to wake and find that a thief had been in her castle, killed her eagle, and stolen her bread, water, and sword. She was even more shocked to discover that both she and all of her handmaidens were pregnant. The queen swore to find the thief and supposed father of all of their children. It wasn't long before she arrived at the king's castle in Connacht. The queen of the end of the world said, Have you any sons? I have, said the king, and Art was summoned. Were you at the end of the world? the queen asked. I was, said Art. We'll see about that. And the queen plucked two hairs from Art's head and wove them into a hairy ladder. Climb this ladder, and if you are telling the truth, you will make it to the top. Art climbed the ladder and made it to the second step before the hair tore and the prince fell and broke his ankle. Next, Nyart was summoned. He also lied, climbed the ladder, fell and broke his leg. Have you any other sons? the queen asked the king. I have, the monarch replied, but he is a lazy drunk. No way could he have made it all the way to the island at the end of the world. Reduce him, said the queen. Kiart was brought from the kitchens and successfully climbed the ladder to the top of the castle. The king was astonished. 
Kjart was reinstated as prince, and his treacherous brothers Art and Njart were sentenced to death. But the kind-hearted Kjart convinced his father to spare Art and Njart, and Kjart left with the queen and her eleven handmaidens to raise his children at the end of the world, before bringing them home to Connacht. And it is from these twelve children that the twelve tribes of Galway are descended, and Galway is still called the City of Tribes to this day. The End Hello, I'm Joe Rooney. And I'm Patrick McDonald. And we have a show called Talking Ted, which is a show about the memories, stories and insights into what has made Father Ted the egg sandwich of Irish TV shows. Yeah, we'll be talking through all the episodes and interviewing people who are on the show. And uh, reminiscing. I think we'll reminisce quite a lot. There's a lot of reminiscing. I remember that time, but not so much this time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the old days, we used to reminisce a lot as well. You can find Talking Ted on the platform that you're listening to now because we are a podcast just like this podcast. So don't forget to uh, look us up. It's absolutely brilliant and it's out now. So listen. And that is the tale of the well at the end of the world on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. There are three very interesting and very different stories that this tale reminds me of. This very long, uh, meandering tale. We start off, first off, in... Slavic mythology, which I know relatively little about. Anything I do know would be from Neil Gaiman through American Gods. Um, but the characters of of the three sisters and their brother, the god of death, Chernobog, um, reminded me so much of these three sisters who are increasingly older, 100, 200, or 100, 300, and 500 years old, and then their older brother, who's 1,000 years old. That reminded me very much of those... Um, the Zoriah, the Zoriah sisters, who are the the sisters of the morning, the evening, and the night, and then their brother Chernobog, who's a god of death. Um, that we had those three sisters and the brother right away reminded me of that we rooting it in a very interesting place that uh, that we hadn't encar- uh, that I hadn't encar- encountered or been able to acknowledge a similarity to, mostly because I don't know as much of that, um, but it it is another mythology that is on my radar as I think it slots in very easily with a lot of the Celtic and Norse stuff that we have covered as well um uh the second influence uh is Aladdin uh bizarre which I don't know if anyone else thought when we have this old man taking this young man to this uh, mysterious cave of wonders for lack of a better term and told to touch nothing but the one thing that he was meant to go in there and do and that only he could go in there and do and him still having to take other things and face the consequences of that reminded me an awful lot of of Aladdin's journey into the Cave of Wonders. And then finally, we get this bizarre Cinderella almost parody where we have the Queen coming to find out who is the father of her children and who has stolen, killed her eagle and stolen her possessions. And so she's trying to see who fits the slipper in this incredible image of her plucking two hairs from the head of art and weaving them into a tall ladder made of hair that climbs to the top of the building and being told, if you are telling the truth, you'll be able to climb to the top. And if you're lying, you'll fall to the bottom and break your leg. 
which is exactly what happened. So three very, considering this is a very Irish tale, and we have here another surprising origin story for something. We didn't know that was, I didn't know that was where it was going, of course. It doesn't open with saying, this is where the, this is why Galway is called the City of Tribes, or this is where the 12 tribes of Galway came from. It's just a little nod at the end in a very similar way to the legend of High Brazil that we had a couple of weeks ago, which, so inadvertently we have had two origin stories for Galway. We have had why Galway is called Galway, and we have where the 12 tribes came from. And they both come across as incredibly old stories, which really, uh, which I really like because not only do I want to do Tales of the Sea and Tales of the Water while we are covering Grania Whale, whose dominion was the sea, I also ideally want to have stories that you could imagine that Grania Whale knew and that were around in her time because a lot of the folk tales are from much much after Granuel's time more in like the 18th and 19th century it's more like the mythology that would have been before but every so often you get some of these tales that do seem to be old so it's unknown if this is a more recent tale that like retroactively is putting this where the 12 tribes of Galway came from or why Galway is called Galav um but it's really nice to imagine the other way, that uh, if these were tales about Galway, for a long time, Gronuel's enemy, or certainly she was the enemy of Galway, but she was right beside in Mayo, that these are tales, especially her being a sailor and a pirate, and like these long months and weeks at sea, where like storytelling was so important for sanity as much as the preservation of culture and entertainment, that these are stories that she would have known as well. And it's also... From a storytelling point of view, yes, it's another fetch quest tale. It's almost like you're 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 listening to a video game of just setting off in this quest and the various hurdles and the fall at the end where he's taken all of his stuff and uh, has to fight these like individual bosses along the way. But it's also going to a place we haven't encountered in any folk tale or myth before: is the end of the world and this is a thing in a lot of mythologies, you know, where there's nothing mythology and folklore where they, it's like these worlds are their own. You know, there is in grim fairy tales, it's like there's nothing in the world outside this fairy tale forest or there's nothing outside of Ireland. And it's really nice to imagine just like this whole that, that these tales just existed in their own vacuum, that Ireland was the whole world and like that the edge of the world and this island and this well at the end of the world and there on down was right there off the coast of Galway. Um, and so there was a, I liked all those little details of it because it is a real journey story. Um, well, interestingly, though, like it is a journey story, but there is like beats to it. There is consequences to it. The only thing I kind of edited um, or changed in my version is his trip back, Kjart's trip back to... Also just love the names Art, Kjart and Nart. Uh, champion strength and um, right uh, little kneecap reference there C-E-E-C-E-A-R-T-A for any kneecap fans out there Ireland's Irish language based hip hop duo from Belfast check them out um, love their names and but there are consequences to this of Kjart um, coming back and in the original tale his return journey is much longer 
uh, and he stops at three houses along the way and at each house he loses one of the possessions he took so he loses the bottle loses the bread and then loses the sword of light but I thought it, it was just filler at that point and it achieved the same thing I actually liked the idea of the queen arriving at the castle in Connacht and seeing her stolen items there and knowing that for sure the culprit was there just weaning her way through the brothers in this Cinderella twist kind of way and it's a beefy tale but one I really enjoyed and one I could really visualize as well um this would be one that like I've adapted I've adapted a couple of the stories into like script form trying to think if like they could work on screen I think this would definitely be one of those that I could see um I could see being filmed and I could see visually which is always very nice but I will wrap things up there folks um I hope you enjoyed the tale of the well at the end of the world um another always nice when something feels very familiar but new when we do especially when we do more and more and more of these folk tales um nice to constantly feel like our world is expanding but it still is a world that we know very well and that we've built up this knowledge and this familiarity with but next week we have our climax of the Grainne Whale saga, which is the meeting of the two queens, the meeting of Grainne Whale, Ireland's pirate queen, and the English queen, Elizabeth I, is what it's all been building to, folks. But until then, follow me on Instagram if you haven't done so already, at firesidebard, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com for all inquiries. Um, buy my book, Garden Sea, at Amazon or on Kindle, or uh, at Amazon on Kindle or on paperback from headstuff.org. Uh, support Headstuff Plus at hstedstuffpodcast.com. All of the links are in the description below. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.